This is Daryl Wood, host of Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show on Faith Talk 1500. First, let me say this show is your show. That's why no matter what I discuss or which guests I interview, your input is valued. If it's in the news, on TV, or at the movies, whether political, social, economic, or whatever, at some point I'm talking about it on Run to Win, the Daryl Wood Show, Monday through Thursday from 4 to 6 p.m. on Faith Talk 1500. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real Life Christian Church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. And so I call this sermon Setting Priorities God's Way or Setting Priorities Biblically. And I looked up the word priority in the dictionary and it says, quote, the fact of being prior, the fact of being prior or what comes first or what will we give our time and attention to? We'll give it to that which is prior, that which is before something else, that which is first, you might say. And here's the big deal, folks. If you want something, you will make that a priority. You will set that as a, if you want it, it's going to be a priority in your life, okay? And there is a biblical way to set priorities. And there's a theme to this sermon that if you do it God's way, it's going to work. So we need to look today, as we look at setting priorities, we need to look at time, our use of time. And then we need to look at some of the principles for setting priorities. And then we need to look at what those biblical priorities are, see? And so first of all, let's look at the great priority setter, Jesus himself. And you say, yeah, but he was God, but he was also true man. And he lived at the same time crunches that you and me do. And his father sent him on a mission. And he gave him roughly three years. Now listen to what he had to do in three years' time. He had to deliver, he had to deliver his people from sin, from certain death, from the power of the devil. And he had to do that in three years. And I'm looking at Mark chapter 1. Our Lord had been on the go all day, preaching and teaching the word of God, just ministering to people. And then he hears that his disciple, Simon Peter, his mother-in-law is sick at Simon Peter's house. And so he goes and he heals her. She had high fever. He heals her. And I look at verse 29 of Mark chapter 1. As soon as they left the synagogue, well, they went to Peter and John. They went to the home of Simon Peter. But look at verse 32. He had just healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And verse 32 says, that evening after sunset... The people brought to Jesus all the sick, all the demon-possessed, and this all happened after sunset. The whole town gathered at the door of Simon Peter's house, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he wouldn't let them speak, and so on. And so he gives an all-nighter just about as this whole town, this whole town of Capernaum, where Peter lived, is almost lined up at his door with all their sick people and all their needs. And I just wonder what time he got to bed that night. And then I look at verse 35, and you talk about priorities, man. This, I mean, this really touches me. Verse 35, very early in the morning while it was still dark. How long did he sleep that night? Jesus got up, left the house, went to a solitary place where he prayed. And then Simon Peter comes along in verse 36. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. I mean, can you imagine the pressure of time on him? I mean, the demands of the people, and I look at verse 35, it says early in the morning, well, no, or verse 38, and Jesus replied, okay, we got to go somewhere else too. He said, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. 
And I just think about all the people who wanted a piece of him. And I just think about all the demands on his time. And then I look at Mark 5, 21, too. It says, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake. Look at this, a large crowd, Mark 5, 21. He crossed over to the other side of the lake, and a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. And then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came, and seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, and he said, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And I look at verse 24. He's surrounded by all these people, and so he, he went with them. The word of God says, so Jesus went with them. And I just think to myself, surrounded by crowds, everybody wanting just a piece of him, just a, a, a bit of his time, just a couple of seconds of his attention. He leaves the whole crowd behind and he goes to deal with one person. And I say that turns me on because... Um, that blesses us. See, he's the master of time, man. He, he, he had set his priorities, man. He knew, he, he, he knew where he was going because we sometimes think with all the people in the world who have bigger, bigger problems than I have and bigger needs than I have, how can he ever care about me? And I look at that word of God and he does. He does care about you. He does care about one person. We're looking at how to use our time and priorities. First point we need to know is time is a gift of God. And nobody knew that better than Jesus. Wherever he went, he was intentional. His disciples came and said, come on, all the people in this village of Capernaum are calling for you. And he said, I've been there, now I've got to go to some other villages. He, he, he knew what he was going to do. He knew he knew where he was going, and it was very intentional. I like what David said in Psalm 139.18. 139.18, David says, when I, when I wake up, I'm still with you. In other words, when he wakes up, and we're looking at the value of time, God is with him, and God, in a sense, is giving him the gift of a brand new day, and he's holding out a whole bunch of opportunities. And that's how we need to look at every day. That's how we need to look at time. Every day is a gift. I mean, when you get out of bed in the morning, picture the Lord just handing you a beautiful package with the gold ribbon on it saying, here's your gift, here's your new day. Use it wisely. Set your priorities wisely. And I think about that gift. I think about the value of time. Picture the Lord Jesus Christ each morning handing you a gift and saying, here's your day, my child. Use it wisely. And so time is a gift of God. Here's something else we should know, too, about our use of time and setting priorities. And this is huge, and this is really where this message is going. Set your priorities, or put it another way, use your time biblically. And the Bible tells us how to set our priorities. And the real problem is getting people, and I include myself in this, getting people to accept that when you look at this Word of God and you do it God's way, and set your priorities according to biblical, according to biblical standards, that's going to be the best way. And so again, the, 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 the the, the big deal is getting people to accept the fact that God's way is the best way. I'll just give an example. The Bible teaches that when we die to self, when we die to self, and this is a paradox, we really begin to live. I look at John chapter 12, and this is verse 14, where Jesus Christ says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. In other words, in death, there's life. When a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it's only a single seed. But when it dies, it produces many seeds. 
in dying, there is life. I look at Mark chapter 8, verse 35. For whoever wants to save his life, Jesus says, will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and the gospel will save it. The best way to get life is to die to self. And, and the problem is getting people to accept that and to start living that so they can look at this word of God and they can say, this is truth. You know, I quit putting myself first and I put my wife or my husband first or my coworker or whoever before me. And because I did that, because I, I, I did what the word of God said, because I abided by the word of God, my life has really changed for the better. And you can give that testimony. Folks, this is so key to live by God's word. And I know that because I've tried it. And I'll stand here and tell you, if you arrange your priorities the way that God, God tells us to arrange our priorities in the word of God, the pressure will be off you. The pressure will be on God because you in a sense have said to God, God, I'm going to do this your way. This is what you tell me in your word. That word is truth. And I'm going to do this your way. And then the pressure is on God to make good on his promise. And if you apply that to how you use your time and setting your priorities, I promise you, you're going to get it all done. You're going to get done what God wants you to get done, see. And so let's look at these biblical priorities. This is the first priority. And remember, a priority is that which is prior, that which is of first importance, or where we spend our time and what we invest ourselves in. And our first priority is our relationship to God. Jesus Christ says this in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, about no other relationship. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. About no other relationship does he say that. Our first priority is our relationship with God, and that's why I go to Mark chapter 1. Time with God. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. And all night, people were lining up at the door from that city of Capernaum, just waiting for just a few seconds of his time, Okay. I love that, very early in the morning, see? And then in verse 36, as the disciples can't really understand that, verse 36, Simon and his companions went looking for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everybody is looking for you. What are you doing here praying? I mean, what are you trying to do? Don't you see all these people are looking for you? And then Jesus says, you know, I got to go to other villages too. And I thought about the story of Mary and Martha. You got these two sisters, and Jesus comes to their house. And Martha's going to feed the whole group, Jesus, his disciples, and all the people who travel in an entourage with him. And she and her sister Mary, this is Luke chapter 10, she and her sister Mary are racing around the kitchen to get a big meal to feed all these people. And then Jesus sits down, he settles in, and he's about to teach. And Mary takes off her apron, and she goes and sits at Jesus' feet, and she looks up at him, and she just, she just drinks in his word. And Martha's in the kitchen there, she's, kind of, she, she's very irritated with this whole thing. You know that story. And she's going around that kitchen and she's thinking to herself, well, my little prima donna sister, little Princess Mary, she's out there sitting at his feet and I'm in here doing all the work and this isn't fair. And all this stuff is just building up in her mind, okay? Verse 40, finally it comes out, verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made and she came to him and she said, Lord, don't you care? I mean, just think about the emotion in this. I mean, she just came out of that kitchen and she said, Lord, don't you care? Maybe she even shook her finger at him. She said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all this work by myself? Tell her to help me. And look at Jesus' response in verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things. Now look at this in verse 42. But only one thing is needed. 
And Mary has chosen what? I have this circled too. Mary has chosen what is better. And that will not be taken away from her. So Mary has chosen what is better. You know what Jesus just said? I mean, Mary, I mean, Mary, Mary and Martha were sisters. I mean, they were family. And Jesus just said, sometimes even family can get in the way. Sometimes even your family can be a distraction when you want some alone time with God. And those are tough choices. And you have to set priority, priorities, and you have to say, this time belongs to God. My time with the Lord in prayer and the word of God is in the morning, and that's sacred time to me. And sometimes you have to be discerning. Sometimes the only time you can get together with people are in those morning hours. And sometimes, and I'm discerning about this, and sometimes I'll break with that to get together with people. But I got to be honest with you, man, I guard that time. I protect that time. That is sacred time with God. I need that time. God wants that time for me. That is my first priority in life. And if I ever have to break with that time, I will always come back to that. Because that, I mean, you just have to make a decision. That has to be a priority. And then we, see, we need to take that time in prayer. We need to take that time to build that relationship with God. And part of that is to be in his word, to get to know God. I mean, how are you ever going to go out in the world and live if you don't know how God wants you to live? And the Holy Spirit's going to bring that all to your mind as you study that stuff and drink that stuff in. Now you say, does God expect me to spend all that time in prayer? No, God knows your schedule. He really knows your schedule. I mean, he knows what you have to do. He certainly doesn't, he certainly doesn't expect you to spend as much time in prayer as you spend in your job or spend with the people you love or something like that. He doesn't expect that. But here's how you demonstrate to God that he is your top priority. Now, now follow this line of thinking. Here's how you show God. You are number one in my life. I can only spend so many hours a day in prayer on the word. But here's how God knows I'm number one. Or he's number one. Because you are always dwelling on God and what is his will. He is your top priority. You're always asking yourself, Lord, okay, here's the situation. What am I going to do with this today? Or how am I going to handle this? Or what do you want me to do? Or what does your word say about this? Or, Father, I want to please you. That's, that's the evidence that God's top priority in your life. But you see, how are you going to know what to do? How are you going to know what to say? Because that time that you gave to God in the morning, in prayer and in the word of God, just fuels that. I mean, I look at them. Psalm 5, and this is verse 3. David says, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. Isn't that a great passage? Man, I try and live by that because you bring your day before the whole Lord in the morning and then you sit back and let God work out your day and you feed your mind the word of God and you just do that, man. You just lay it all before God. You drink in his word. And, and that time you spend with God in prayer and the word of God fuels every decision you're going to make, see? And it enables you to make those godly choices. Now, here's what I know. I know that people say, well, I pray when I drive to work, or I pray when I walk. Now, understand, that's good. The Bible says pray without ceasing. The Bible says that. And you, I, I know you Christian people pray without ceasing. I mean, you're praying to God all day. You're praying to God when you're walking. You're praying to God when you're, when you're driving. You're praying to God when you're cleaning. You're praying to God when you're, doing, you're working, whatever you're doing. Pray without ceasing. You've got to do that. Yeah, but there's another passage in the Bible that you've got to deal with, too. 
And that's in Matthew chapter 6, and that's verse 6, where Jesus says, but when you pray, go into your room. And pray to your Father who is unseen or who is in secret, and then your Father, let me read this again, but when you pray, go into your room, here, look at this, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, he's saying there has to be that alone time with God, and I just think to myself, I go for walks too, I pray when I drive too, I do all that, and we should be doing that. But if that's all you do, isn't that accommodating God to your schedule? And what about this whole deal where God says, go into that room and close the door? Because I want to tell you something. When I get in a room alone with God and I close that door, there is a Bible right before me. I'm usually on the floor and there's a Bible on that floor. And I'm reading that word and I'm praying that word back to God. And there is a silence and there is an aura there that's not there when I'm busy racing around the house or walking or something like that, see? It is just a special, special, that, that, that Jesus knows you need that, see? Is it really sacrificial if you accommodate God to your prayer schedule? Is there really any sacrifice in there? You know, taking a chunk of time out every day with that Bible in front of you and saying, Lord, um, this is my time with you. This, um, I mean, this whole deal... Um, applies, I mean, it just backs up this whole principle that, that when, you, when God is your first priority, when, when you give him that time that he would like you to give him, and he is your first priority, you will get everything else done. You may not get done all the stuff you need to get done, or you think you need to get done, but I'll go out on a limb and I will guarantee you that you will get done what God wants you to get done when you set your priorities. And that's your first priority, time with God, okay? Second priority is family. And I'm just, I'm not gonna go into a lengthy dissertation about this, but that is our second priority, spend time with family. And family sermons are just a year of sermons in themselves. But um, I just look at Exodus 18, just to show you what we have to invest with family. In Exodus 18, Moses is the great leader of Israel. And Moses is so busy, he sent his wife and children back to his wife's dad, back to his father-in-law, okay? It says in verse 8, chapter Exodus 18, verse 1, Now Jethro, the priest of Midian, father-in-law of Moses, heard all the good stuff Moses was doing. Then in verse 2, And, Mo, and, and Moses had sent away his, his wife Zipporah. His father-in-law Jethro received her and her two sons. Then it goes on to name the two sons. And then you get to verse 5 of Exodus 18. It says, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and his wife, came to him in the desert where he was camped near the mountain of God. And Jethro sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, I'm coming to you with your wife and your two sons. You know, he's saying, I'm the grandpa. I get to see these kids and enjoy them and give them back. He says, well, I'm coming. I'm giving them back. That's what he's saying, seriously. Now listen to this. He's observing Moses working so hard and he says, why are you working so hard? And in verse 15, Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Exodus 18, 15, they come to me to seek God's will. It's brought to me that I, that I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and God's laws. And so Moses is really doing some very good God stuff here, isn't he? Now look at verse 17. And this is one of those areas where I remind you, I didn't write this. This guy is doing all this God stuff, settling all these issues and disputes among people according to the will of God, according to the law of God. Now look at verse 17. Moses' father-in-law replied, and this is God's word, what you are doing is not good. 
You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Now, what was Moses doing? All this good stuff, all this God stuff, all this expounding the word to people of God. And Jethro says, and God recorded this in Scripture, it's not good. So family has to be a priority. Think about husbands and wives. I mean, you are or should be the most important person in your husband and wife's life. I mean, they got married to be with you. And we're there to put as much joy and enrichment into their lives and meet as many needs as possible and enrich their lives in every possible way we can. And that has to be a priority. That's God's priority. Family's the second priority. God's the first priority. Here's the next biblical priority. That's your job. That's your area of responsibility. And I know what a man's job is what defines him. I always come back, man. You do it God's way and you'll get done what God knows you need to get done. You do it God's way, you'll get everything else done. You'll be fulfilled. God's way always works. I look at Genesis 3.17 where God said to the man, you go out into that sin-cursed world. You earn a living through toil and sweat. You provide for your wife and she's at home in a lot of cases, with the kids, making that place a place of refuge for the family. And I just think about it. I've had a bunch of guys tell me, and I I mean, really a bunch of guys say, you know, I'd like to quit my job and go into the ministry and be a pastor or be a youth worker or something like that. And they're married. And I say, well, what does your wife have to say about that? Because see, the wife wants to know that that money's coming in and that there's security. That's the way God made them. And, and, And in our culture today, a lot of women have to be out in that work of day world. And you have responsibility. And people depend on you. And there are bills to pay that God expects you to pay. You've all got that responsibility, see? And that's why God provides work. Your job is a gift of God. And this is huge, see? God has placed you in that job to let people see Christ in you. That job is a mission field. I'm looking at Colossians chapter 3, and I'm looking at verse 22. And again, this is the third priority. This is your job. It says employees or slaves, it says in the Word of God, employees, um, obey your earthly masters. Look at this, in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. And I'm thinking to myself, man, if you practice that, if you do that, if you seek to submit to that authority in everything, you, you, you obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eyes upon you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Sooner or later, they're going to pick that out. And they're going to see Christ living his life through you. And those are your primary mission fields, folks. Your job and your family, or your family and your job. God has you in there for a reason, but that is your third area of priority. First, you build your relationship with the Lord. Secondly, your family. Third, your job. And then fourth, personal time. And there's some who would disagree with this. But I see this in Scripture because I have all the, I've got all the fingers pointing back at me because the Bible says God rested on the seventh day. I, looked, I, I see that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. He rested on the seventh day. Now, did God say, man, I'm bushed from creating the world. Man, I am tired. I'm worn out. No, he did that to give us an example because he knows how he made, he knows what sin did to us. And he knows our bodies need rest and renewal. Now, now how many will admit If you take time for yourself and do a few things you enjoy when you could be working, you feel a little bit guilty. And you think, unless I'm working, 
And that's why all the fingers are pointing back at me. I'm going to get so far behind, I will never catch up. And I'll just come back to this principle. You follow God's pattern. You establish priorities according to the word of God. And you will accomplish everything you need to accomplish, people, because God blesses obedience. Time with God, family, job, and self. But man, you got to pray about these things. You have to ask God to let you know by his spirit what's more important in your life. You have to pray for discernment. And when I talk about discernment, I mean there's a fine line between the good and the better and the best. And you have to pray for discernment. And understand that when you pray, God, just, just, give me, just give me discernment. Give me wisdom in this area. Where do I go first? God will answer those on-the-spot prayers. God answers those prayers for discernment. And so how do you establish priorities? You pray for discernment. Second point in determining priorities, you got to learn to give some things away. That's how you determine your priorities. Can somebody else do it? What's more important? Third biblical principle to determine priorities, quit putting pressure on yourself. And folks, this goes back to the whole salvation issue. I would never ever want to live my life with the pressure of just having to earn my way to heaven. I, I, I just can't even conceive of that. I can't even conceive of people who are under that tremendous pressure, that tremendous burden, who think you can go to heaven by being good enough, and, and, and that they have to live with that and ask themselves all the time, was I good enough? And I've given that over to Jesus Christ. And I totally rely on him. And I understand that my salvation is a free gift. There's nothing, nothing I can do to earn it. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.